Amen. This month we're starting a, a new series uh, entitled Destiny. We're still considered Freedom Hour. It's still 60 minutes. Uh, Freedom Hour is still 60 minutes. And, and uh, we've been having a great time. And the new series starting today is entitled Destiny. Somebody say Destiny. Come on, say it like you mean it. Destiny. Praise God. Praise God. Destiny. I want you to uh, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. I'm on 100 right now. Uh, the second chapter. Our wonderful hospitality staff walking so eloquently. Yeah. I have a Bible for you. And uh, I always tell you to take it, read it. Understand it in all things, get understanding, get clarity, so that we don't mess up his word. Don't add anything to it, don't take anything away. Amen. Ephesians 2 and 10. Ephesians 2 and 10. And while you're finding your place in uh, the second chapter in the 10th verse, I want to let you know that our 10:30 service, we also start a new series uh, entitled Strongholds strongholds, things holding you down that is very strong. Now, if you won't find that in the dictionary, I just gave it to you right then. Strongholds, a second service. So if you're not here, please tune in. Uh, tune in to YouTube. Get on our website. Do what you got to do to get that word. And uh, if you're really, really, really smart, you'll just purchase a CD in the back with the media team. Something that you can ride with. I always saw it as a contradiction. Pastor, why would I purchase and I can listen for free? Mm -hmm. uh, still don't know what I'm talking about. All right. Ephesians 2 and 10. Ephesians 2 and 10. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for a brand new day. God, we thank you because you woke us up this morning with the activities of our limbs. Somebody didn't wake up or somebody woke up that couldn't move. So we thank you for the blood that lives inside of us. We thank you for the anointing. God, we thank you for a free mind, an open mind, not just as a religious candidate, but a free mind, a Christian, rooted and grounded in your word. God, have your way in this place. Holy Ghost, move like never before. We understand that you are present on this earth, and Jesus is with the Father. All three working together for the good of the kingdom partnership one accord so that we can live this kingdom life so that you can get the glory hallelujah amen amen while you're standing i want to read something real quick before i read the scripture and since we're talking about destiny before i read the scripture i want to share something with you uh what is destiny we all are traveling to get to our destination so what is destiny well, I want to give you something. It says your destiny is called, is a called customized life. Listen to it. A called customized life that God has ordained and equipped you to accomplish in order to bring what? Him, him glory and achieve the greatest of his kingdom. Let me read it again. Your destiny is a called customized life that God has ordained and equipped you to accomplish in order to bring him glory and achieve the greatest of his kingdom kingdom. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Somebody say good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want to teach real quick this morning in the next 15 minutes concerning I'm a masterpiece. Say it with me. I'm a masterpiece. Subtitled in brackets there, I'm a masterpiece. Subtitled in brackets there says that I am a piece of the master. I am a piece of the master. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I am a piece of the master. I'm a piece of the master. I, I typed that in there at about 4.30 this morning. I am a masterpiece. And I flipped that thing around and it's speaking to me and said, I am a piece of the master. You're not the master, but we are a piece. He, he lives inside of us. We are a piece of the master. Then my mind, you know, I started expanding. I kept going with that preacher and I said, well, uh, we have peace in the master. You know, I started talking to myself. Boy, you got peace in the master. Uh-huh. You're, he, he's present in your life. I, you know, I went all the way down with the peas. I had a great old time. Uh, so I was struggling with time this morning. I have a good time, Brother Jones. I just started preaching to myself at my own table. <laughs> That's good stuff. I'm a piece of the master, a piece of the master. Today, I want to give you an introduction because this, this series will be so solid. Um, it's going to take us longer than, than four weeks, four Sundays to do this. Uh, who knows? We're going to spend an unlimited amount of time concerning destiny because uh, it is our sole purse that, purpose that we reach our destiny. Our sole purpose that we reach our destiny. It's no, it's no good. It's no good. It's no good. You, you, can't even, you can't even worship truly and freely if you're not trying to get toward your destiny. You know why? Because we are his workmanship. And it's his desire, his idea, his thought. Who is he? He is God. It is his idea, his thoughts that we become. In other words, that if we're going to become, then we're going to become who, we're, who we were created to be. That, that workmanship, that piece, that masterpiece. Uh, I was, I, was, I was studying, and I saw something. Uh, I was talking about the great artist <clears throat> by the name of Michelangelo, and it says that he'll look at a piece or a block of marble, and they will wonder how in the world that he comes up with such a concept or an idea to create the, uh, the artistry that he presents. And in an interview, many times they asked him, how do you do so? He says, because in every block of marble, he says, I automatically see an angel. <laughs> so what are you trying to do, Michelangelo? He says, well, because I see an angel and you don't, I see an angel, I shoot for what I see. And the angel that I see is an angel of God. Good gracious. And so he begins to carve no matter what the block looks like. He's headed toward a destination called destiny. And so he's trying to create an image that which he sees how is it that Michelangelo sees something so great and so awesome? It's because he sees, watch this, what God placed inside of him. Okay. Let me move on from that because I feel like going somewhere else. I'm going to give you this. I'm a masterpiece. I'm going to give you these three, 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 three different things here. Number one, number one, I want you to understand this, that independence, say independence. 
Independence is dangerous. Number two, independence uh, produces victims. <laughs> let, it, let it soak in right there. Independence produces victims. And number three, it says independence will cause you to live on wants, desires, emotions, and wills. Wants, desires, emotions, and will. Wants, desires, emotions, and will. I'm going to give them all three collectively. Independence is dangerous. It produces victims and will cause you to live on wants, desires, emotions, and will. I did some other research concerning some candidates who uh, sought themselves as artists or scientists, if you will. And I want to share this just introduction of this person because it, it just took me off kilter. It baffled me when I began to study this man. And his name is Victor. Victor was a Swiss scientist. Somebody know who I'm talking about. And Victor experienced a personal tragedy. Somebody said tragedy. He sought to address, listen to it to see if you find yourself in there. He sought to address his pain by engrossing himself in an experiment. Some of us are experimenting outside of the will of God. Turning a lifeless object, listen to it, he was a scientist. He wanted to turn a lifeless object into a living being. <laughs> it says that he went to graveyards, funeral homes, and he gathered all of the parts and pieces he needed to put together a massive creature that he chose to name after himself. The name that he chose after himself was not Victor, but it was Victor Frankenstein. But the living being he created quickly turned into a what, as we know, a monster. Ooh, that's a word for somebody right there. Why? Because anytime you create something that God did not give you, will always end in defeat, loss, and lack. Good graces of mine. Look, anytime you try to create a situation, try to live a life, try to create some type of other order, new world order, outside of the realm or ramifications of God, it will create something that God did not design for us to live in, so that result will end in death, because there cannot be any life. Not only death, but it will also end in a monster. Ah, we've We've created some monsters in our lives. We've created some monsters within ourselves because we're trying to create something, somebody that we're not. And talking to kids many times, I say be careful with looking at uh, basketball players and football stars and rap artists and all these folks because you live your life, parents. You live your life that your child is trying to be or become somebody who he or she is not created to be. In other words, you live with a superstar mentality, not realizing that you're already a superstar because you are and you were created by God the Father and he created all things. So the person or the woman that you see that's considered superstar status, the same God created the same person, also created you. We do the same thing in the church. We see folks, we size them up, we check them up, we look them down, up and down, we check their life out, we want to check out their past history, their criminal background report. We want to check out their, uh, 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 not just their socioeconomic or, or their work lifestyle, but we want to check out their history, their church history. I want to see what gifts and talents you have. I want to see what experiences you've been a part of. Not for edification, not for kingdom, not for God's glory. It's so that we can use those things to tear you down. 
There's nothing greater, nothing quicker than a person taking you down than the person that knows a lot about you. Oh, man, let me jump off real quick, right? You take somebody who knows anything about you, a little something about you, anything about you, especially those things that are still in the closet. Take somebody who knows about your past that you don't want anybody to know about. I know that you rose up. I know that you are a, a great person now, and I know that God has called you to great things, and now you're saved, sanctified, living this holy life, uh, baptized with a burning fire, but you let somebody show up in your life that knows a little bit about your past amongst some people who knows nothing about your past, and they will come in and challenge you and check you and try to destroy your life. How is that, Pastor? Because the person, watch this, the person that they're trying to destroy already knows because they've lived their own life. Where does this come in and how are we destroyed? We're destroyed because the people around us that are new knows nothing about our past. <laughs> so it cannot be but anything of the devil for you to show up, mention my past, without edifying God in me, through me, it's wrong. It's just a problem there because you're showing up trying to cause envy, strife. You have a malicious mindset. You're trying to destroy what God has created. You know, God uses the block, what looks like nothing, to create something, to show his image through you. And guess what? We, you, us are the blocks. And when you go through hell and when you go through life experiences, what is happening is God is truly right now carving you out so that he can get the glory. God will not get the glory if you shut down, break down, and die. God says, I need for you to go through it, stand up, lift your chin up, man up, woman up, and show that I'm God. Why? Because they can't see me. But if you show them me through you, they will see me. It's for my glory, he says. You are my workmanship. And so the story goes, it says, and most of us know the movie, but we don't know the real tragedy behind the story concerning Victor Frankenstein. Watch this. The monster that create, he created had been transformed from a lifeless collection of, of parts into a living being. This living being that was created turned on the very person who created him. <laughs> in this independence, in his own independence, Victor created this person who he thought was going to be great, turned into a monster. The monster that was created by Victor initially turned on Victor. Oh, man, it sounds true. It, it sounds like uh, it's a reality here. Watch this. Christians, I like this because it, it tells us and talks to us, Christians are not uh, like the depiction of Frankenstein. We're not 10 feet tall. We don't walk around with boats and dismembered body parts sewn together. But the truth of the matter is it resonates in our lives. Why is that, Pastor? I'm going to tell you why. Even though we were dead in our trespasses and God gave us life, creating something in us where there was previously nothing, watch this, many of God's children have turned on their creator. Rather than live, watch this, in the will of God for the creator. Why? Because, just like I mentioned, 
Many have chosen to live for themselves. And when you live for yourself, you live independently. And when you live independently, that means that you're going to live off of yourself, your wants, your desires, your emotions, and your will. As a result, guess what? Your life will disintegrate, listen to it, and what had been created for something good quickly devolves into something bad. Oh, could that be in the body of Christ today? Woo. Could it be that because we don't see, it's a matter of what you see. Somebody say vision. Is it because you don't see destiny in your eyesight that now you will come out of the will of God and make an attempt because you won't be successful, but make an attempt to come in and create something that's really not there? People do it all the time. Relationships. Trying to be whole in your singleness. Notice I said a bad word that I don't like to say, trying. Right? You shouldn't be trying. You should be doing. Right? It's a problem if you're trying to do it. I, you ever hear people say, I'm trying to be a good Christian? How do you try to be a good Christian? No, be a Christian. Be a Christian. Be a Christian. Let God determine if you're good or not. Okay. Right? We try to live this perfect life. It's never going to happen. Look at your neighbor and say, it's never going to happen. You're never going to live a perfect life because you are an imperfect person. And how we get up to the place and get caught up in being a perfect Christian, being a perfect man, a perfect woman, a perfect husband, perfect wife. Let me tell you something. If you find one, if you find a half, Show us the half, and none of us will ever work again for the rest of our lives. Folks will be getting divorced left and right. I'm going to get the half. I'm going, <laughs> oh, man, you'll be leaving your spouse looking for perfection. It's not going to happen. And really, you're looking for a church that's perfect. It's not going to happen. There's only one. Ah, independence is dangerous. It's dangerous. Why, Pastor? Because, you know, this is the real reason for the increasing of divorce rates. Independent people, watch this, becoming couples. See, that's a difference between independence and wholeness. That's a difference between independence and wholeness. Because you know good and well that the folks that are independent, when they show up with somebody else to become one, it does not work because they are independent. But when somebody shows up that's whole, ooh, two holes hooking up, talk to me. That's a beautiful couple. That is a life. It's not a perfect life, but it's a beautiful couple. That means that when you come down a few notches, not because I brought you down, but when life brings you down, because I'm whole, I get the opportunity and I'm your spouse to bring you up. When, you, when you're in a relationship and you don't have a partner that can bring you up, that can come up, what happens is, is the partner that's not helping you come up is leaving you open for people in your life that can help you come up. So now we have an opening. I'm in the book of Genesis now. Now we have an opening for somebody to come in that should not be in to help me come up when you should be doing your job and your responsibility. Oh, my goodness. Good graces. Whew. I can't wait for Pastor Will to come. Look, we got to do this now. Talk to me. 
right? Talk to me. You're waiting, you're waiting for Jesus to come back. He's already giving you the instructions. Let me move on, y'all. Y'all don't want that. We talk about divorce rates. Well, let's talk about suicide rates. It shows up in the suicide rates. How and why? Because as failures, failures, watch this, because we don't know who we are, lead to what we call depression. Depression, hopelessness, and eventually a decision to throw in the towel altogether. I'm talking to church folks. It shows up in addictions as people try to numb their pain. Why? How? Through chemicals, through prescriptions, drugs, overspending. I'm talking to anybody. Obsessions. Talk to me, people. It shows up in corporations, even in the body of Christ, in our ministries. Woo! It's even in our ministries in the body of Christ. Let's rewind. Woo! It's even in our ministries in the body of Christ. Come on, I'll rewind on you all day until you get it. Talk to me. Y'all better talk back to me. I'll hit the, we'll be in commercial all day. Rewind. What's showing up, pastor? Ministries as leaders neglect personal family time. Fill your schedules with meetings. Talk to me, pastor, in order to somehow satisfy an emptiness caused by not living out a divinely ordained destiny. When you don't live out a divinely ordained destiny, you live out your own will. You schedule things that are not destined to be in places and positions of things that are destined to be so that you can fill in the void and the emptiness. You better shut it down, cut the light off, not get on your knees, get on your face. Lay prostrate, uh, seek God about your, your dealings in your life. Let God come in. I said let God come in and change your life. You're waiting on some joker to show up. And the problem is, and I hate it, the fact that you're waiting, that joker going to show up. Step into a place he has no business or she has no business being in. You know why? Because you need to see God first. And I'm going to give you something that's concerning good biblical godly counsel. Right? Although you're going to another parishioner, you're going to a deacon, you're going to a counselor in the church. Watch this. You're going to the pastor. All those folks are great. But at the end of the day, instead of you going to see the prophet or the prophetess or the pastor, at the end of the day and at the beginning of the day, you need to seek God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost before you seek any of those folks because any of those folks and all of those folks have imperfections. But pastor, they're called by God. I know they're called by God. All of us are called by God. All of us are chosen by God. But we all have imperfections. So that means because we've been living an imperfect life, watch this, and we've had imperfect people come in and impart in our life, not just to insert, but to insert so-called knowledge and wisdom, we have a warped mindset. And so therefore, we oftentimes give information, not revelation, to something that we have no business feeding into. I'm on 100. How many? How many? I got a few minutes. I got a few minutes. I got to go. It's an introduction. No, it's an introduction. Somebody say introduction. Trying to satisfy emptiness. When you live out your destiny, you don't measure what you have done <laughs> according to what someone else has done. Mm. My goodness. Nor is destiny 
to be confused to talk to yourself, Pastor, with a busy life. Let me tell y'all something. Whether you know it or not, I know I portray to be Superman. I'm sick and tired of a busy life. <laughs> I said I'm tired of a busy life. You know why? Because in a busy life, you have no time to rest. A busy life, watch this, a busy life can be all the way 100, 24-7 doing ministry. Somebody going to kick that one back. What's that saying in Romans? What profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his busyness? But you know, it's really not a, you know, I know the Bible talks about works. I, you, you can't, you know, you're already there. You're already saved by grace. You can't get there and can't, you know, win it by, by your works. But, but to spend just 60 seconds on emptiness, and, 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 and let's, let's, let's not get it twisted. I'm, I'm nowhere near empty. I just work a lot. <laughs> but for some people, because they're living in emptiness, that depression, that stress, and all that mess, it's packaged all up inside of your spiritual backpack. And you wonder why you cannot function. <laughs> it's because you have not filled the void <laughs> with God 100%. Let me tell you something. God will not function, will not function if he's in the backpack along with the things of the world. God said, you know what? You put me in the back seat. Let me stay in the back seat. Let me, let me stay in the back seat. That was a, that was a story. Thank you, thank you. It came to mind. That was a story. The guy had a big house, and you heard me say it a few years ago, and I hope I said it right, but the guy had a real big house, and, and he, he was in the house. I can close with this one. You know, I can, I can do this. He was in the house. house had a lot of rooms, had a lot of windows, and uh, he came in said, look, here's the keys. You, you're good. So God said, cool. I'm in this house, uh, right? I'm, I'm a rule over this house. I have dominion over this house, and, and uh, lo and behold, he found out that the devil was in the house. The devil was on the first floor. But before we get to the first floor, the devil knocked at the door. Mm -hmm. Watch this. The devil knocked at the door. Who was the man's guest? The man's guest was Jesus. Jesus was staying because he said, you know, Jesus, I'm going to put you way up there because you're high and mighty. I'm going to put you up there. So the man had three floors, and he put Jesus on the third floor. And so the devil came to the door, knocked at the door. He said, uh, let's call him, let's call him, let's call him John. John, I want to get in. John says, devil, you don't belong here. Why you keep showing up at my door? Devil said, yeah, you got space for me. And you got some rooms that's just open. He said, so let me come in and stay in one of those rooms. Okay. So John prays and the devil walks away. <laughs> John said, look, I know the power of prayer. I'm going to pray. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is in my house. He's on my side. The devil walks away and comes back the next day. The next day, the devil busts the window out, makes entryway into the living room of John's house. John says, devil, how in the world did you get here? He said, I just bust the window out. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. He says, actually, to be honest with you, I'm labor that's coming to steal, kill, and destroy so why can't I just come in and take what I feel like is mine? It's actually yours. I'm going to come in and take it. John says, no, nah, devil, you got to get out of my house. So he prays, and he's fasting, and guess what? The devil leaves. 
he goes, John goes and consults with Jesus and say, Jesus, you're in this house. Why did you let the devil in? Jesus, I didn't let the devil in. No, 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 I didn't let him in. Uh, you let the devil in. He didn't get the point. Devil came back. Devil shows up. He's in the living room and in the kitchen, about to be in the bedroom, first floor. Boom. He gets the devil out again. He consults with Jesus. He's brought Jesus down to the second floor. He says, Jesus, why? Why is the devil in my house on the first floor? Jesus says, because I'm still not in reach. John, John, John goes back out and the devil goes in. And now the devil's in. He's bringing his pillow and everything else. Guess what? He's going to live in the house. Boom. John goes, consults with Jesus. Jesus, why is the devil in my house? Jesus says, let me tell you something. Every time you put me on the second floor and the third floor, you may as well put me in the closet. Just because I'm in the house doesn't mean that you're in my presence. The devil is not going to flee and is no longer going to come until you put me on the first floor. I need to be on the first floor so when those demons and imps show up, you really got power. You just been speaking my name, but you can't do it without my presence. You can speak my name on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, but until you live in my presence, the devil is always going to come in. Now what's the moral of the story? The devil is always going to knock but with the presence of God he doesn't have to come in let me tell you something every time you get an urge to allow the devil to come in you get in your word you listen to your word you read your word you worship and I can assure you that you will not be able to get into the mindset of allowing the devil to live in your house I want to I close right here. I got one minute. I'm going to close right here. Let me give you this right here. I want to close right here. I drop down, and, and I tell you, don't confuse destiny with a busy life. I says, apart from the kingdom of God, the events and aspects of your life remain unattached to each other and cannot produce their intended results. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. You know the scripture? To those who are called according to his purpose. Let's read it again. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, we as Christians have totally taken the scripture right there, right there, 8 and 28 of Romans, out of context. Because every time we're going through a situation, we say that, baby, all things work together for the good. We stop right there, and when you stop right there, you take a portion. Let's exegete for five more seconds. You take a portion of scripture out to apply to your life. So now we're exegeting the text. But to properly exegete the text, you got to take the scripture in its entirety because that is false. Not all things work together for the good. But you got to finish because you cannot possibly think in your spiritual mindset or your human uh, 100 totally intellect. You cannot possibly think because you got a great education that all things work together for the good when you take things outside of the will of God, bring it into the will of God, and now you say all things work together for the good. No, 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 no. Because you've taken things that are not good, that are not the will of God, that are not heaven sent to put them into your life, and now you want to quote scripture halfway. 
It says, and we know that all things work together for the good to those, watch this, who love God. Number one. Number two, to those who are called. That's two. And number three, called what? According to his purpose. The things and purposes that you are having in your life are not purpose for you because they are sent by the devil. You just put them into a little box and you call the church. That's where we struggle. And because we're trying to bring the things of the world, because we, we like it out there and it makes us feel good, let's just be real, bring them into the church and say, it's okay. It's okay. Bring them in. Bring her in. Bring it in. Bring it all in. No, all things don't belong in the house of God. Just like all things don't belong in the will of God. You cannot take something bad, put it into something good called his will, and be okay with it. It just doesn't work. If you're going to stand up and be a real Christian, then you got to read the real word, which is the word of God, and you got to call those things that are what they are, and if it's sin, it's sin, if it's good, it's good. Let's just be real. Not all things that we do are really good. <laughs> I like it because it grabs everybody in the house. I can't wait for strongholds next service. It grabs everybody in the house. Everybody on your row, behind you, left, right, in front of you, everybody on the row have been in sin. And also, watch this operate at oftentimes let me not get in trouble i don't care all right really oftentimes operate in a sinful nature if you put your lips on anybody you sin <laughs> sin is rebellion now watch this what does it mean to put your lips on people if you read the text the bible gives you the right of judgment concerning righteousness Mm -hmm. that's when you bring in the folks that's been in church all their life I like this stuff, the mothers and the fathers and say let me tell you something it doesn't matter where you've been and what you've done right is right and wrong is wrong this is the book, we have a compromising generation now where we allow everything to come in talk to me older saints y'all better not leave me hanging I'm 39, talk to me talk to me deacon say preach pastor Yes, sir. I'm coming to close. Y'all saying, no, I can't tell you to preach. We'll be here another 20 minutes. So, you get to this place and talk about discovering your destiny. People, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what I've been chosen to do. But this is a sure thing. If you're good at something, that's one thing. But if it's not something that glorifies God, you know, it's not it. I'm good at a lot of things that I know don't glorify God. <laughs> Thank you for that one, too. Praise God. Right? We're good at a lot of things that just doesn't glorify God. It, it doesn't make him bigger until I get in trouble for doing it. That's when he's bigger than my situation because I didn't know I had a situation until I found myself in trouble because of me operating outside the will of God. I'm going to pray and we're going to go. Everybody standing. Sixty-five minutes. Every head bowed, every eye is closed. 
God, we thank you because many stand here today in the church struggling. A lot are lost. Trying to be independent. Want to be on their own. Want to forsake the body, the assembly, do it on their own themselves. But many of us are just walking. Many of us are just coming to a building with no development of a relationship. Many of us are just involved in activities. Many of us were born, bred, and raised to do church, but we've never been taught how to do ministry. Ministry, thank you, God, comes with a cost and a relationship. Imperfect people used for your glory, striving to perfection your way. If there be one here this morning that doesn't know anything about a relationship, let this be the moment that would change their life forever. There's one here wrestling with some things and right now don't know where to turn. You're in church, but you still don't know where to turn. God's going to send someone that's tangible so that you can see God. you in this building that's watching by way of stream or you're present here in the rows and you don't know God and you don't know God and you don't have a relationship today you can make that decision it's going to change you for the rest of your life if that's you just lift both hands He'll do it. He's already paid the price. He'll do it. If you're here today, you need a closer relationship. Because you find yourself outside of the will of God. In this hour, in this season. Stretch your hands up. Come on, you may be here. Stretch your hands up. your hands high. Thank you for your obedience. Stretch your hands high. Today is a great day. Change the rest of your life. Keep your hands raised. Someone's coming. Just know if I'm pointing, someone's coming. God, we thank you for what you're doing was grounded and rooted as a ministry as a part of the body let nothing come in between us and you we acknowledge you thank you for using our life so that you would get the glory today and everything that we have to give
our feet tread upon, that you direct us in, become fertile enough for us to plant your word on outside of the four walls in our house and everywhere that we live in, go in, we'll be blessed. In Jesus' name, the blood of Jesus. Amen. Put your hands together.